0: Thank you for this amazing time of worship. God, thank you for how you have just moved in the hearts and lives of people. God, that we're able to sing your praises. God, that we're able to be close to you by worshiping you. God, there are so many times in my life where I'm so distracted by everything else in the world, God, that I'm able to see you clearly. I'm able to focus on you in my heart as you dwell and as you penetrate my heart through worship. God, I'm able to renew my focus. God, that we're able to fix our eyes on you. Through it all, we're able to see you, to lift our eyes up to you. God, I thank you so much for worship. God, I thank you so much for how your Holy Spirit, how he has moved in this place. God, how he has restored, how he has renewed. God, how he has changed our hearts through the power that only you have. God, you have the power to change lives. You have the power to make all things new. You have the power to create out of nothing. God, we fully acknowledge that your Holy Spirit, through your Son, And through God the Father, that God, you are in control of every single trial that we may endure, every single difficulty that we may have in our hearts. God, that you alone are in control of every single aspect of that. And God, we praise your name for that. Lord, now as we look at your word and we look at what you have to say to us, God, I pray, Lord, that we would realize the power that exists in this book. We would recognize that through your Holy Spirit and the words that are written on these pages, God, lives can be changed forever. So that's what I pray for right now. God, that you do a great work through your word. God, may people not hear my voice, but they only hear the voice of Jesus as you speak directly to their to their hearts right now. God, we love you. We thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Sometimes I get so wrapped up in worship and praying and stuff, I forget to get up here. I'm like, oh yeah, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta get up there and I'm next. You know, it happens. It's okay. I don't. I don't really mind looking like a doofus every once in a while. That way you guys know that I'm real, right? You can't put me up on a pedestal if I'm always falling off of it, right? That's right. Jimmy, I'm just going to go off the screen today. I'm not going to actually read off my Bible and just gonna go off the screen. So We've been talking about thankfulness and what it means to be thankful because we're at Thanksgiving, right? So we just had Thanksgiving. Everybody's stuffed. Bloated is actually more the word, I think, you know, it's like... I had a text message uh, from from one of our regular attendees here. It was very sweet. It's on Thanksgiving Day. You know, most people, they text me and they say, Man, I am thankful for you as our pastor. I'm thankful for you as our our, our spiritual leader. I'm just praising God for you and your heart and and what God is doing through Simple Church. And I'm so thankful. Well, this particular regular attender texted me and he said, I hope you get fat. <laughs> so, <laughs> I've never gotten that text message in all of my text messages that I get on Thanksgiving Day. I've never gotten one that said, I hope you get fat. It happened to be one of the best text messages I've ever gotten because I was trying to accomplish what he had prayed for me to do, and that was to get fat on Thanksgiving. So I was like, Amen, let us accomplish this task that is set before us to get fat today on Thanksgiving. So uh <laughs> everybody's all, you know, they're stuffed and and like, I don't you may have Places you're going to eat today. I don't know. A lot of people do that like the Sunday before with different family. Maybe you got family today. You're going to eat again for like the fourth time this week. You're going to eat turkey and ham and dressing and all that stuff. And praise God if that is you and you're getting to eat all that stuff. And I, I hope you get fat. That's all I can tell you. Um We'll worry about it on January 1st, right? That's what January is all about. It's about renewal and the new year. So we'll have a message about that and we'll talk about how we're going on diets and how we're all going to start jogging and all that. We'll talk about that right before January sets in, right? We always do that. Yeah, we'll talk about how we're going to be new and we're going to be different and that'll last for about a month and a half and then we'll go back to trying to be fat again, right? So that's what we're going to do here in Simple Church. And uh, it's going to be good. So anyway, we're talking about thankfulness. I Sometimes I get sidetracked. It's okay. It's the ADD sitting in. It's all right. So anyway, so we're talking about thankfulness. And we talked about last week, in order to be truly thankful, in order to truly have thankfulness in our heart for the things of God, we have to recognize where we are. We have to see ourselves for who we are. The truly sinful nature that exists within us in order for us to recognize how much we need God and how much God has done for us and how great and beautiful His mercy is, right? Like, we got to be able to see it. And we, we talked about... This, this this guy that was like a tax collector back in those days. He was like one of the most despised people. And there was this guy that was one of the religious jerks of the day, called a Pharisee. And we talked about how he was looking down on the tax collector and says, "Thank God that I'm not like this man." And the man that was a tax collector, everybody hated. He just said he beat his chest. He says, "Oh God, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me." And, and And Jesus asked the question, the same question he asked all of us. He said, which of these two men walked away justified that day? Which of these two men walked away right with God that day? The one who who said that, God, I do all these things and I check all these boxes and I dress a certain way and I look really clean on the outside. Or the man that just set off at a far distance and just cried out for mercy from God. Which one of those two came away justified that day? In order for us to truly have a gratefulness and a thankfulness for what God has done in and through His Son, Jesus Christ, we have to see ourselves for who we are. We're going to see ten guys today that saw themselves for who they really were. They didn't have a choice, as a matter of fact. They had no choice at all to see themselves for who they were. We're going to talk about ten guys that had leprosy. Ten guys that, that nobody wanted around them. I'm going to read you just something real quick about leprosy. I want you to understand this was a, a disease that was more prevalent back in ancient times around Jesus' time, but it's also something that's that even still around today. There's a bacteria that exists today that can still give people leprosy. We have ways to treat it now, so it's not as prevalent, but there are places like in Africa, for example, where they still deal with leprosy. It's still an issue there, so leprosy is not something that's like been eradicated. It doesn't happen anymore. It's still a bacteria that exists, and it can still... Cause you to have all these symptoms. Listen to what leprosy does to you. Hopefully, this won't gross you out, but it might. It's okay. It attacks the nerves and the skin, it deadens the body and the limbs so that feeling is lost. It makes you, it's like an anesthetic. It makes you feel numb. It makes you where you can't feel things. Your nervous system is kind of dead. And then the potential of serious injury becomes large as a result of this. Because you can't feel anything. If you touch hot water, you don't know that it's hot, so it will burn you. And it will burn your skin, and you not even know that that's what's going on. It starts, we're told, with a uh, white-pink patch of skin, usually on the brow, the nose, the ear, the cheek, the chin. The patch then begins to spread in all directions. The portion of the eyebrows disappears. Spongy, tumorous swellings grow. First of all, all over the face, and then begin to descend all over the body as the disease just begins to enravish your whole body. It says it becomes so involved that the internal organs, it becomes involved with the internal organs as well as the skin. Fingers and toes can be absorbed into the body. Fingers and toes will start to dissolve into the body. This is how bad it is. It says that this is because the bacillus invades the bone marrow and it impairs the blood supply causing the bones to shrivel and the rest of the body to shrivel as well. With the accompanying loss of feeling in the body due to the nerve disease the victim destroys his own tissue because he has no feeling. Bacillus can destroy the eye causing blindness, penetrates the teeth so they fall out, penetrates all the body, bodily organs and affects the larynx so that one ends up with a weak and raspy voice. The skin loses its original color. It becomes thick and glossy and scaly. As the sickness progresses, the thickened spots become dirty sores and ulcers that pour out blood. The skin, especially around the eyes and ears, begins to to bunch up with deep furrows between the swelling so that the face of the individual uh, becomes that of a lion. You can imagine somebody that has a, an appearance almost of a lion because of the swelling around the eyes and the cheeks and and the, the scaly skin that is swollen. Fingers drop off and and, and toes are dro- drop off, eyebrows and eyelashes fall out. You can see by all of this that A leper is in a really bad condition. There have been instances where people, because they lose all sensitivity in their fingers and toes, that a rat would come up and eat off a finger, and the person wouldn't even know it until the next morning because they had no sensitivity in their fingers. They had no knowledge that that was what was going on. And they wake up, and all of a sudden, they've lost a finger because a rat has eaten it off. This doesn't sound pleasant, does it? It sounds awful, terrible, but there's more to it than that. There's a whole lot more to leprosy than that. And here's what the people thought in that day. They thought that if somebody had leprosy, it was a result of something wrong in them, in their spiritual life, as well as their physical body. What would happen is they believed that if you had sin in your life, that it would come together in the form of this disease, and it would ravage your body just because you had sin in your life. Because you had sin in your life, that meant that God is... Given you this disease, and he's punished you as a result of this, and, and, and that's why you got this awful disease, and the skin has fallen off of your body that you smell, you stink because the flesh is literally rotting on your bones. People saw it, and they said, that's sin. That man walking around right there, that's sin. That's the reason they're suffering this way. Now, you and I know this. They don't work like that, right? We know that, that, that healthy people... It can be just as ungodly as unhealthy people. We know that people get a disease that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with their spiritual condition. But this is what they thought. They thought that it had something to do with sin in their life. And that's the reason they walked around this way. So what did they have to do to them? Well, they had to kick them out of town. The only thing that they could really do with people who had leprosy was to get them away from everybody else so somebody else didn't get it. That's all they could really do. So we're going to see in a minute these 10 guys hanging out together. You know why that was? Just because that's the only people they could hang out with was other lepers. Other people had leprosy just like them. So that's the reason they had to go outside of town and live outside of town somewhere is because they couldn't be around anybody else. So imagine this. You have leprosy. You contract this disease and all of a sudden you can't be around your family anymore. Your spouse, your children, they're like, you can't, we can't touch them anymore. I've got to say goodbye to my family. I've got to say goodbye to the life that I once knew. And now I've got to go live outside of town where nobody wants to be around me. And if, if anybody comes around me that's not sick, that doesn't have leprosy, I'm supposed to shout, unclean, unclean, to let them know that I have leprosy. And if they get near me, they can contract this disease. But more than that, then when they shouted unclean, it was a reminder to them over and over and over again. They were thinking, sin, sin, sin. And the reality is, is the reason that, that we have disease in this world is because the original sin that, w- that was caused by Adam and Eve when they sinned in the garden. And when they did, all of the disease, sickness, illness, death, all of that came into to the world at that point in time. So they're kind of like half right in that in the th- this disease is caused by sin, but it's the original sin that could affect anybody, regardless of their spiritual condition. Now... Am I telling you that there's not some times where God could let something enter into your life to get you to wake up and see that you need Jesus Christ more than you need anything else, more than you need your physical health? Will God sometimes allow things to come in, difficulties, trials, disease, ailments come into your life so that you can see that the only place that I can go is to Jesus Christ? Absolutely, God will do whatever it takes sometimes to get you to wake up and see that you need Jesus. These men were on the outside of town and they were hanging out out there. And there's a man that comes by. This man, he's got a special name. His name's Jesus. They call him master, but he's he's Jesus. Let's look. In Luke chapter 17 beginning at verse 11 says this. And Jesus continued toward Jerusalem. And he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, ten lepers stood at a distance crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. These guys are on the border between uh, Samaria and Galilee. It means that they're on, on the outside of town. Samaria was the place where the Jews didn't like. They didn't like the half-breeded Samarians that lived over there, and then they didn't like the way that, that the Jewish people did stuff, and there was all this animosity between the the Jews and the Samaritans. They didn't like one another, okay? So these guys are on the border between, so they're having to find their way. You know what I believe? I mean, when I look at this passage, what I think is these guys just had to find each other because they had nobody else. Can you imagine having to leave your family and leave your spouse and leave your children, and you can't be touched by anybody? There are studies that have shown that, that human touch is necessary for us. You know that, right? Like, like, if you don't experience touch, the, the children that the don't experience touch from a parent when they're, when they're an infant, they, they can actually have uh, a slow down growth rate, that it can actually impact how quickly they mature because if they're not touched, they're not getting that sensation from another physical human being. There have been studies to show that young adults that aren't loved and touched by their parents, you know what they do? You know how you can tell? Uh, this isn't always the case, so don't go around thinking this is always the case, but you know what they do a lot of times? They'll, they'll play with them, their hair or, or touch themselves. You know why? Because they need to be touched. You, you, you see a, a girl twirling her hair, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the case, but there's a good chance, it could very well be that, that they're, they're touching themselves because nobody else has touched them and shown them love and compassion and touched them, and they need it from somewhere, so they'll do it themselves. It, it, it's there's study after study after study that shows that human touch is so important. It actually says, you know why we shake hands when we go somewhere? You know what it, it does? Immediately it lowers the blood pressure. You know why we shake hands, while we touch each other? It's so that we immediately start off and we're more relaxed in that conversation. We shake each other's hands to try to lower the blood pressure so that we, we can communicate a lot easier. And you just thought it was something you are supposed to do at church, Right? I thought that was something nice you're supposed to do at church. Everybody does that at church. You're supposed to shake everybody's hand. It has a purpose, man. You need to touch people. Now, don't take that the wrong way. Some of you young teenage boys are going, Amen to that. You need to touch somebody. I'm in on that. You know what I mean? Right back over there. Anyway, oh. Um, he knows I'm pointing at him. Anyway, touch is important. And here, are these people, they can't touch anybody. They can't touch their family. They've been exiled. They're, they found each other on the border because I don't, I don't think anybody from either place wanted them. So they just found each other so they can be with somebody. And here, there's 10 of them that have gathered together, and they see this guy named Jesus walking by. This guy named Jesus walking by. They must have gotten word somehow. I don't know how. You ask me how? I don't know how. Somebody told them Something. Because you know what they did? They cried out and they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They knew there was something special about that guy. They'd heard about him. they gotten word about him that, that there's something extra special about that guy. And he can do some things that nobody else can do. There's some supernatural power in that guy named Jesus. You might, if you go call on somebody, you might want to call on him for your situation. And maybe, just maybe, they've heard about other people that had leprosy being healed. And now they want a piece of that action. They're like, man, yes, I want to be one of those guys that gets healed just like that. And here there are ten of them in a group. And they cry out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Has anybody ever cried out to Jesus like that? Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now everybody else, I gotta shout out, unclean. Everybody else I got to shout out, look at my sin, look at my sin. But to Jesus, you cry out, Jesus, Master, Have mercy on me. Have you cried out to Jesus like that? Have you ever fell on your face before God and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on me? If you haven't, you're not a Christ follower. You're not a Christian. Uh, You you won't spend eternity in heaven. If you haven't cried out to Jesus in that way, seeing your sin for how it is. These guys, they they thought that the, the disease they had was evidence of their sin. So every time they looked at themselves, they saw sin. Every time, if you look at yourself and you're not a Christian, I hope that you see sin. If you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, when you look in the mirror, I hope that you see sin written across your forehead every single time. Everybody like, well, that's harsh, Kenny. Yeah, it is. But I would rather you see sin written across your forehead every time you, you look in the mirror than you spend eternity in hell away from God. I, I would much rather you see sin written across your face than for you to be separated from God for all of eternity. If you have not cried out and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on me, then you're not a Christian. If you haven't seen your sin for what it is and recognized who Jesus was and the fact that he was the only answer for what ailed you, then you are not a Christian. There's no, I can't sugarcoat it. I can't put it another way. It's just that's what it says. That's what it is. You have to do that. You know what, here's the good news though, this is called the gospel. The good news is, Jesus walked by that day just like Jesus is walking by today. His Holy Spirit is crying out to your soul right now in your heart and you know that you're not a Christian. And I wonder if somebody today will cry out, Jesus, master have mercy on me or if you will simply walk out that door and say, I don't need Jesus. I don't need what he has to offer, I'm okay, I don't really have sin that's bad enough for me to confess my sin to Jesus and give my life to him, I'm okay. And you'll go out there and your skin and your flesh will rot off because you're on your way to hell and you're separated from God and you have no relationship with him. And you will die and you will be separated from him from all of eternity. And I will not tell you anything different because that is the truth of what God's word teaches you are dead in your sins and your trespasses. You are completely dead. Your skin is rotting off your flesh because you're dead. Because you're dead in your sins and your trespasses. And these ten men, they cry out, Jesus, have mercy on us. What does Jesus say? He says, he looked at them and said, go, show yourselves to the priest. Everybody's like, okay, well, that's good. What does that mean? Leviticus chapters 13 and chapters 14 says this. It gives a prescription for diagnosing somebody who had leprosy and how you could recognize them and what you would see and how you would know that they had leprosy and what you were supposed to do with that person and how you're supposed to, to get, get them out of the town so they don't contaminate anybody else. And the priest were like medics in a way, and that they were supposed to know what to do. And God had given them a prescription like, this is what you're supposed to do if somebody has leprosy and all this stuff. And, and, and these guys, their responsibility was to say, yes, he has leprosy, or no, he doesn't. If he has leprosy, he's got to get away from everybody else. And Leviticus chapters 13 and 14 tells you that. One of the things that Leviticus chapter 13 and 14 tell you to do is if you have been cured of your leprosy, that you were to go show yourself to the priest so that he could say, yes, you are good. You no longer have leprosy. Yes, you you are are fine now. You can go back into your civilization. You can go back to your home and to your wife and to your kids and to be touched and hugged and loved like everybody else deserves. It says, you go and show yourselves to the priest. Now, why is this such a big deal? Because the Pharisees were jerks. These priests, the Jewish priests of that day, the Pharisees, were people that they wanted to condemn everybody else while they looked so highly at themselves. And they really didn't want to believe that anybody could ever come out of leprosy. They wouldn't really believe that somebody could ever really be healed of leprosy. And they certainly didn't want this Jesus guy to be the one to be able to bring somebody from leprosy into being a normal human being. They really didn't want to acknowledge that Jesus could do that. So what is Jesus doing? Not only is he showing these ten lepers something, he's showing the priest something. He says, you know what he's showing them? I am God. I am God. And I'm the only one who has the ability to bring somebody from leprosy into being a normal human being once again and be able to cure something that was seemingly incurable. I am God. And he was showing that to these ten lepers the same way he was showing it to the priest and the same way he is showing it to you in your heart right now. And that is that I am God and I am the only way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. That Jesus Christ, he's the only one that has the power. The only one. The only one. He says, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of the leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except for this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Everybody's like, okay, ten guys had leprosy, they're healed. I get it, I get it, I get it. So Jesus healed somebody and, and, and only one of them came back. Only one of them was thankful for what had happened. No, only one of them got saved. Only one of them had saving faith. The others just had a superficial faith because they wanted something from Jesus. Do you know anybody like that today? Do you know anybody that just wants a little bit of Jesus so they can get all their stuff worked out and all their stuff fixed so that they can say, all right, Jesus, thank you very much for what you did. Now I'm going to go my way and do my own thing. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, Jesus. And you know what happens is those people, that get up and they walk out the door and they don't feel anything at all about not coming back next Sunday or the Sunday after, and they're like, ah, oh, it's okay, man, that Jesus, man, that was good. I experienced something great and I could see that Jesus was there, but I tell you what, I don't need it next Sunday. That was good enough. That was good enough once for me, man. I'm good. Superficial. Selfish. Faith is what that is. What did Jesus say? He said, He said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought there were ten. You think Jesus, you think he had miscalculated, he was making sure he was right on his numbers? You think Jesus being the Son of God was actually like. He said, man, I don't know, you you, you remember the other guy, wasn't there 10 of you? You think Jesus miscalculated, didn't really understand, and that's the reason he was asking the question? I don't think so. I think Jesus knew exactly how many there were. If anybody in the world knew how many there were, it was Jesus. I think Jesus was telling this one man, I want you to understand something and remember something here. I want you to remember the fact that there were ten of you, and only one of you has come back, and only one of you has real faith. Let me tell you something. I was talking to uh, a guy the other day who's the principal of a school, and we were having this conversation. We were talking about, about the things that bother us. He's got, he's got lots, of, lots of people that are, uh, you know, they answer to him, and he's a leader, and all this kind of stuff, and, and we were talking about you know, criticism and stuff, and, and how, you know, sometimes people write a little note, and they'll give you a little note, or they'll message you on Facebook, and tell you something that's critical, or whatever, and maybe sometimes they're helpful, and a lot of times they're not, but sometimes you get a lot of, a lot of stuff, right, and people give an input, we'll call it, you know, and I said, yeah, man, that, that stuff doesn't really bother me, he said, it don't bother me either, he said, I consider it constructive criticism, and give me their input, I'll... I'll Either take what they say and maybe implement it or throw it in the trash. Either way, it's good with me. You know, it doesn't really bother me. And I said, I'm the same way. That doesn't really bother me. People give me their input, and that's great and wonderful, and I know you think the music's too loud, and I don't care. But anyway, so yeah, I can save you that email. It's not going to change. I mean, send it anyway if you want to. If it makes you feel better to send the email, send it to me. Anyway, so uh, the, uh, people constantly give you input, we'll call it, right? And I said, that's not what keeps me awake at night what keeps me awake at night is the people that walk out that door and I never know where they go and and I know, I I, I look at them on Facebook, I'm friends with them on Facebook, that's why I'm friends with so many of y'all on Facebook I want to make sure you're okay and I see them them walk out that door and they're not Sunday mornings, they're, they're fishing, playing golf this vacation after that vacation after that vacation, they're over here and over there and nothing to do with Jesus that's what keeps me awake at night. That's when I wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning crying and weeping. and I say, God, is there anything that I could have done? I know that they've got a choice. I know, I know absolutely they've got a choice either to love you or to not love you. But, God, is there anything that I could have done to help them on that path? Because I know it's not easy. I was there. I was on that road, and it was, it was hard, and it was difficult. Is there anything I could have done, God, to help them more? That's what keeps me awake at night. Because this is what I know. There's a lot of people, there's a lot of people that have a superficial faith in Jesus. And there's very few people that have a real faith in Jesus. And you know how you can tell? It's real easy. It's it's real, real. I mean, listen to me. I love you and I care about you and I want all of you to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. All you got to do is step back and take a look at their life over a long period of time. And you can see, do they love Jesus or do they not love Jesus? Uh, do they have a relationship or do they not have a relationship? Now, I'm talking about there's some kids that, man, they get saved when they were young. And then and, and they live just out in the world and do whatever they want to as teenagers. And then maybe later on, you know, as the Bible says, train up a child the way he will go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. And, and they come back later on. And they, you can see their relationship with Jesus is there and their connection with Jesus. And they they, they serve Jesus, and they, they want to be a part of what Jesus is doing. And you can see that over the big picture. But then what do you see sometimes? You see some people have this little, I call them firework experiences. There's this big flash of light, and sparkles, and flash, and they want to be involved in everything. And then before you know it, it fizzles out, and you can't see it anymore. And, and you say, did that person have a relationship with Jesus? Are are they really a follower of Jesus? Do they really want to be with Jesus? That's That's what it boils down to, right? If you take a picture of somebody's life over time, you can see either they want to be with Jesus or they don't want to be with Jesus. Where did this man want to be? The other nine wanted to be cleansed. This man wanted to be with Jesus. The other nine just wanted what Jesus could give them This man recognized that Jesus was God, and he was everything, and everything that he needed existed in this man. What about you? What about you? What what is the 30,000-foot view of your life? Was it Jesus, or is it just what he can give me and just for a little while? And if it is Jesus, when's the last time you fell down on your face and said, thank you? Thank you for being the the source of every single thing that I need. Thank you, God, for loving me in the despicable state that I was in where the flesh was literally rotting off my bones. Thank you for not being afraid to touch me in that situation. Jesus was never afraid to touch the lepers. He was never afraid to to touch them because, first of all, he knew that he was God and there was no way that he was going to be contaminated with that and he knew that he had the answer for everything that ailed them and he was never afraid to touch them. What about you in your life? Has there ever been a time when you cried out to Jesus and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on me? And if you have, is the 30,000-foot view of your life one that wants to be with Jesus or one that was just wanted to be with Jesus for a little while? And then when you got what you wanted, you walked away, and you never came back to say thank you. If that's you, I invite you to come today, fall down at this altar, and say thank you. It's Thanksgiving. It's Thanksgiving. Why don't you give thanks for what he gave? Why don't you give thanks for what he gave, which is this one and only son, Jesus Christ, this man who had compassion. And he healed these ten men, even though nine of them never said thank you. Only one did. Let me pray. Father, thank you, God, for the sacrifice that you made for every single person in here. For the sacrifice that you made for me. Lord, in the awful, sinful condition that I was in, The terrible place that I was in in my sin, God, I was doomed for hell and I was contaminated. Lord, death was running through my veins. God, but because of the blood that was shed on the cross for me, because of the the blood that Jesus poured out on the cross for me, God, you made me new. You brought me from death to life. God, you brought me out of leprosy. You brought me out of my sin and made me clean. God, you washed me white as snow like only you can. God, I pray if there's anybody like that in this place, God, they've never cried out to you for mercy. I pray that they would do that today. God, they would see the reality of the fact that Jesus Christ is walking by them today. That they're they're not here by accident. It's not just chance. But God, you are here in this place and you have come by them. God, I pray that they would cry out to you for mercy today. And then for those, Lord, that that maybe maybe they they, want to be close to you and they want to love you more and they want to, to just renew their relationship with you maybe they just want to come down and fall at this altar on, on this day and give thanksgiving to you the king and the master, the one that, that has poured out his life for the servants God, I just pray Lord, that we would recognize God, just where we are in order that we might be truly thankful for what you have done and who you are and how that you're never afraid to reach out and touch us in our filthiness and our nastiness. All you do is you tell us to ask. You tell us to ask. God, maybe somebody needs to come and ask today. Maybe somebody needs to come and say thank you today. Whatever the case may be, I just pray, Lord, that people would be responded to your Holy Spirit as you speak to them, as you touch their lives like only you can. God, we love you. And this time belongs to you in Jesus' name.